Chapter 35 Year 883 PXF Early Spring Gwen took pause at the name Thorn gave, which gave him a moment to take in the woman she had become. The figure who leaned on her gun was sturdy in her build in a way that could make men twice her size cower. She wore a long brushed calfskin skirt, paired with an unbleached linen tunic and a turquoise blue fitted vest fastened with black toggles instead of buttons. She had the confidence of someone who knew their own mental and physical fortitude and openly compared it against those around her, correctly assessing that most she encountered were lacking when measured against her own. Gwen would be just two years younger than Talon, but the last decade of Ellerion's decline had taken an unfair toll. The mousy brown hair of her youth had gone white but for a few locks that had bleached out to a light ginger. Thorn was happy to see she still styled it in the braided pigtails of her youth, but Gwen's face had wrinkled beyond its forty-three years, and there was a sorrow about her that she wore like a heavy winter cloak weighted down with snowmelt. Curiosity finally loosened Gwen's lips. That a dwarven name? Thorn had hoped that giving Nazji's name would hold off too many questions, as sons who had been sent to apprentice, especially those sent against their will, often denied their birth name, and people considered it rude to ask for it. My mentor was dragonborn, actually, but the name's roots are dwarven, Thorn answered, hopefully cutting off further questions. However, Thorn could see Gwen's lips purse and thin at the answer, and he wasn't sure if politeness would hold off her desire to know more of who he was, so he offered. I can show you my journeyman badge with his name on it. Thorn slowly bent down to his pack and began opening a small outside pouch. Quick as a snake strike, the rifle came up. Did the black court sand you? Thorn froze with his hands up. I don't know who or what the Black Court is, but I assure you they did not send me. Still looking down the barrel of the rifle, she spat out. Prove it. Tell me something only locals know. Lolly Kindervan made the best shepherd pie in town the night before every other hearth's rest for people to take home leftovers for the following day. Gwen's gun did not lower with the general knowledge about Lolly racking his brain for something else that would also support his apparent age, he landed on the perfect tidbit, as gossip was always the correct answer. My mother used to say every time Falden the weaver's son rolled over in bed, Ella got pregnant. The rifle returned to Gwen's side with a guffaw and laugh. Well, that's the damn truth if I ever heard it. Thorne picked up his pack and stood up, taking a step toward the house. Uh-uh. Nope. Gwen motioned with her rifle toward the large workshed barn with the collapsed roof. You'll be staying over there, and are not invited into my house. Thorne noted the superstition behind those words, and pondered why she might include them. You try to break in. Let me assure you, there are plenty of things that will kill you without me being awake. Gwen then added, Hope you brought provisions until you actually earn some. Otherwise, I hope you don't mind being hungry. I have salted meat to share as a good faith gesture if you would like some, Thorn offered, motioning to his pack. Clean meat? Not corrupted? Gwen eyed Thorn suspiciously. Balanon confirmed it. You've been to Arnador? Gwen didn't aim the rifle at him, but it came to the ready. You are more dangerous than you look, then. Thanks for the tip. 
You can leave a portion of the meat on that bottom porch step. Then you best prepare your space for the night. I can't vouch that the critters that prowl the darkness won't find you or get in with how things stand over there. Gwen motioned again with the gun to the barn. We start on the trees tomorrow. The workshed barn was a long, open building with ceilings nearly fifteen feet high. The roof had collapsed over only a third of the structure, and the manner in which it had given away cordoned off the far end of the building, effectively creating a new wall between the intact part of the barn and the area exposed to the elements. Slipping around the fallen roof section, Thorne found the space behind it spacious, with several areas subdivided by half-walls, and a loft area built at his chest height that he could use for sleeping off the ground. He did need to seal up some holes around the perimeter of the space, which was easy enough to accomplish with salvaged wood and nails from the roof collapse. Riken's hammer made quick work of the process with its added enchantments. Finally, Thorne made a small hearth from a cobblestone paved area near one wall, whose original purpose he could not discern, but where he could duct smoke outside relatively easily. All in all, for a few hours of work, it was an adequate, if not borderline nice, home Thorne had created for as long as he might need it. Later in the evening, it heartened him to catch the smell of roasting meat coming from the main house as he satisfied himself with some road rations by his small fire to keep the chill of the night from his bones before retiring to the loft to sleep. Thorne was up at first light, and just barely beat Gwen to the yard between the house and the barn before she appeared with a pruning blade in one hand, a mug of steaming tea, and a small firearm strapped to her waist. She nodded to the orchard without saying a word, following behind Thorne, obviously not wanting to turn her back on him. Their breath fogged in the cold morning air, and frost crunched underfoot as they walked to the far side of the orchard. That one. Gwen gestured at an apple tree at the edge of the neat array of other trees. Thorne obliged and began work as she observed. It might have been thirty years since he last pruned these trees, but the task was still the same. He started at the roots, using his sickle to take off sappers, and then climbed into the branches to thin out the canopy. Thorne was grateful for Talon's height that, for at least the time being, he still possessed, but was just as thankful that he no longer carried the bulk of his former life. There was no way at Talon's size he would have been able to complete the pruning from within the branches, as not even the trunk would have supported him. He might wish for the strength of his old life for some jobs that he might encounter in the future during his stay at Milgren's, but it was not the critical factor for this, the most important one. Gwen gave a grunting snort of approval when she had seen enough of his work to be satisfied the sound creating a cloud of fog out of her nose, then added, I will be three trees in that direction, pointing over her shoulder. You don't get any closer, as I will shoot first. No questions asked. Then, as she walked away, she commanded, Clear the ground before you move on and pile your trimmings along the main rows. At first, Thorn bristled a bit at the lack of trust and created in his mind the added insult that she had positioned herself between him and the farmhouse as a further cementing of that fact. But as he worked, he put himself in her position. To have survived this last decade with the orchard mostly intact, and as far as he knew alone for some portion of it, Gwen couldn't afford to trust a stranger. She had known him for less than a day. He would have to earn every drop of trust she might give him 
and he could lose all of it instantly. He would be wise to remember that. The first couple of trees were hard going as he got back into the rhythm of the process, but by the fourth or fifth, he found himself enjoying the work. Seeing the canopy of the trees back in the shape and condition he remembered them from years ago was a comfort to his spirit after the bruises it had taken seeing so much of Elerion destroyed. There also seemed to be a gratitude from the trees themselves. Whether by some magic or his imagination, he felt his hand guided to where and what the trees wanted and needed pruned. Thorn continued working through the morning, with only a brief break for a lunch of jerky and hardtack taken among the branches. With the springtime sun overhead and a cool breeze lifting his hair, he felt more attached to the world than at any time he could recently recall. Thorn worked until Gwen came to retrieve him as the sun was just beginning to dip below the far tree line to the west. All in all, he had pruned nine trees, between which he had stacked neat piles of the trimmings and pulled weeds. Gwen walked his work before approaching the tree he was finishing. Not bad. I got twelve for my part. That means just eight hundred and seventy more to go in the next forty-five days or so to beat the budding. We clear the rows every three days to keep our smoke down from the burn. Then, with a mock genteel gesture, she invited Thorn to lead the way back to the farmhouse and barn. Thorn had many questions he wanted to ask Gwen regarding the orchard and her life, but felt prying at this juncture could possibly do more harm than good. So they walked in silence back to the yard between the house and the barn, and Gwen, as a dismissal, said only, Same time tomorrow. Thorn, taking the hint, headed back to his place in the workshed and lit his hearth. As he roasted some of the salted meat he brought with some wild onions he picked while clearing weeds, Thorn heard the telltale sound of a whetstone against a blade from the direction of the house, the cool nighttime air carrying sound further than it should. He pulled his dinner from the fire and wandered out the front of the shed. Gwen's hand went to the rifle by her side as soon as he emerged. Thorn internally mused that Lachlan must have trained her about keeping weapons close. She was sitting on the porch's top step, sharpening the pruning blade she had used that day in the orchard. He raised his hands and didn't get any closer. I can help with that, he offered. Insulted, she retorted aggressively. If you think I can't sharpen my own damn blade! Thorn cut her off by raising his fingers and letting them spark with arcane energy. I mean magically. Then, pointing to himself, Artificer, remember? The pruning blade flew at him almost faster than he could react. Thorn caught it just before it would have plunged into his shoulder. Look, Thorn, whoever you really are. I don't know what your angle is or what kind of trouble you're going to bring on my house, but whatever it is, when it comes, I'm going to shoot you myself. She stood up, gun in hand, and returned inside the house. Thorn could hear Gwen throw the bolts of multiple locks through even the closed door. So, after casting a sharpening spell on the pruning blade, which should now hold its edge for at least a week, he approached the porch, hands raised, and left the blade on the bottom step. The next day and following week went much the same way, not even a crack forming in Gwen's frosty facade of indifference and hostility toward Thorn. The two pruned another hundred and forty trees between them over that time, and on the seventh day, 
Thorne awoke to the sound of two rifle shots in the darkness before dawn. He charged out of the workshed, sickle and hammer at the ready, only to find Gwen standing calmly in the yard. Motioning out to the orchard, she said, Two suckling hogs out about a hundred fifty yards that way. The big one's yours. Leave the other one by the porch. You can use the butchering rack behind the north side of the shed. Bury or burn the offal so it doesn't attract scavengers. Consider that your board for the first week. Two nights later, Thorne heard the familiar sound of the whetstone again. He ventured out of the workshed and into the yard to again try and gain a little favor with Gwen. She gave him a piercing look as he took a seat on a small overturned apple crate by the shed's doors. You're a hard worker. I'll give you that, she stated flatly, then continued accusingly. Why do you give two spits about this orchard? And don't you tell me it's because you like the apples. Thorne considered concocting a story, but then decided the time for lies was long past, so he said the most honest thing he could. I fell in love under these trees, and now that he's gone, it feels like they are one of the few things I have left. Huh. She paused. A romantic. I wasn't expecting that. There was a wistful scoff to her tone. Love's something reserved for the young and the bored. Two things beyond me in this life. Gwen stood up to leave, but as she seemed in a talking mood, Talon pressed his luck. How'd you do it? Keep the orchard from being destroyed, that is. He asked as genuinely and openly as he could. My family never did have time for stupid men and their militias, or nobles and their politics, and most knew it. She smiled menacingly. You drop a few folks at a thousand yards, no matter what flag they wave, and the message gets around real fast. Could the Jade Guard have overrun us? Sure. But they had no interest in this land. Or any of Elyrion, it seems. Thorn could hear the anger in her voice as she continued. As for that devil, Corvermain, I always knew that bastard was a thief and a liar. He might have put on a show as a guard and hero in the songs, but hells, he even betrayed that traitorous soul in the end. She spat on the ground. I... She must have seen Thorn's reaction and pulled her story up short. She seemed to squint at Thorn, searching for something but not finding it. She threw her pruning blade into the wood of the bottom porch step and turned to leave, the vibrating steel singing in the twilight gloaming. That could use another sharpening, she stated, and walked inside. Thorn felt like he had swallowed a boulder the size of Sunhall at Gwen's words. He had hoped to confess to her his true identity and his purpose in Elyrion, to heal the land and eventually face the Vermilion Blade to help rid the region of its corruption. But, while he knew that Talon's name had been soiled after the revolts, he didn't think that people would still vilify it. For the next month, Thorn tiptoed his way through his work, keeping his own counsel and not pressing Gwen for details of her life again. Thorn's silence proved to be the trick, and Gwen was a little less frosty each week as they fell into the routine of the work before them. As promised, she provided fresh game each week as board, and Thorn kept her tools enchanted to razor sharpness. Year 883, PXF Spring they pushed each other hard to make it through all the trees in the orchard, even working over hearth's rests without question or complaint. Finally, 
They finished the last rows just as the trees in them began to bud and spring's warm rains began. Thorn and Gwen surveyed the orchard in the late afternoon of their last day pruning, both a little amazed at all they had accomplished. Gwen broke out some sparkling cider for them to share and, never looking at him but instead into the sun's golden light, said, Why don't you come in for dinner tonight to celebrate? Thorn smiled and also looking toward the horizon and the falling sun, replied, I was just going to ask if I could offer you some traditional dragonborn cuisine to do the same. Well, how about you cook it up inside, then? She stated in her matter-of-fact way. Actually, heat it up. I brought it with me from Oldstone, Thorn admitted. Now Gwen did look at Thorn. Yuck! That has got to be months old! Thorn assured her. Magically sealed. It should be as good as the day Malkadan cooked it. I will warn you, it is spicy, though. I can handle it, Gwen replied confidently. Thorn just nodded and smiled to himself. Dinner went better than Thorn had hoped. After some well-deserved laughs over Gwen in no way being able to handle Malkadan's spices, Thorn brought up what had been on his mind while cleaning up. Gwen, there won't be much to do in the orchard other than watch the leaves grow over the summer, so I want to repair the workshed barn roof next. I am betting the reason you left it still caved in is that you know it is a two-person job. So either someone else walks up to your door without getting shot, or we will have to do it together. Gwen paused and looked at him piercingly in the eyes. Then, with a slight nod, Okay, was all she said. Thorn didn't argue or expound further on the job ahead, just dried off the crockery pot Malkadan had given him, said, Good night, and headed across the yard to the workshed. Year 883 PXF Late Summer Repairing the workshed and barn proved to be precisely what Thorn and Gwen needed to cement their trust and kinship with one another. Thorn's magic had luckily minimized the need for any new lumber, as he could mend much of what had been broken, but no amount of magic could supplement the ingenuity and teamwork it took to raise and install a roof. Of course, there had been disagreements and arguments, but as often as not, their altercations brought about better solutions to the problems at hand. Conversations remained superficial in nature, neither of them delving too far into the other's past, and mainly sticking to the topics of running the orchard or the antics of the small herd of wild goats that had taken up residence under the branches of the apple trees. It had taken nearly three months, but they had finally completed the last of the work to get the barn and workshed back under one roof again. Sitting on the porch, watching the fireflies out among the apple trees, Gwen stated, we are going to need people to harvest all these apples. Thorn, who had inadvertently adopted Gwen's manner of simple statements, replied, Yes, we are. You want to invite people here from Arnador, like in the old days, don't you? Gwen said disapprovingly. Yes, I do, Thorn said without emotion. It is going to draw attention. You saw that rider the other day as well as I did. The Black Court has left us alone because we are staying to ourselves, Gwen chided. What if I said let them come? You have never told me anything other than their name. If it's just bandits, you have your guns and I can defend myself. 
I don't see what you are so afraid of, Thorn questioned, grasping for understanding. They aren't just bandits, and if it were just defending us, I wouldn't be worried. We have to defend all of this. She motioned to the orchard and to everything around her. Can you tell me you can keep every flaming arrow a bandit might shoot out of the house, or the barn, or the trees? She continued. And that is not all they will bring at us. Some of them kill the land they walk on. You saw Arnador. Do you think what plagues the city is just bandits? Well, if we had more people here, they could help protect it, Thorn offered. Or they could turn on us, just like before. These are desperate people. Gwen tried to close off the conversation with her tone. But... Gwen cut Thorn off. Look, I know who their leader, the Raven Judge, is, and we can't beat him. He will come if he senses hope anywhere in Elyrion. He will destroy it just like he did before. To hammer her point home, Gwen paused before her final statement. The Raven Judge is Talon Corvermain. I know because I saw that damned red glaive of his through my rifle scope when he cut down my husband. 